Hi guys, KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution by uniting mission-driven humans. I'm so excited to welcome Shireen Edisam to the TNT mic. She is an entrepreneur, seasoned media executive, and transformational speaker. She has produced films, original television series, and specials, created several companies, and led campaigns for some of the world's most recognized companies. ABC, CBS, Discovery, BBC, Facebook, Apple, Intel, Virgin, and many more. Shireen is a proud member of the LGBTQIA community and the founder of OMLTV, a popular platform dedicated to streaming and curating quality queer female video content and OML originals. Today, we are talking about her book that will be out in June, Free to Be, a six-week guide to reclaiming your soul. Shireen shares her journey, how she went from breakdown to breakthrough to write this book for us to streamline getting back to our soul in six weeks. This is an awesome conversation for anyone facing adversity and wondering how to pivot and really reconnect with their authentic selves. Be sure to check us out wherever you get your podcasts and look for the video on YouTube. Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I'm so excited to be here today. We have a female boss in the house. Shireen Edisam is coming to the TNT mic. She's an author, transformational speaker, entrepreneur, and she has a book coming out. I was just telling her before we got on, it's not even out yet. Usually my guests that have books, um, it's already out and in the mix. So she is ramping up hard. We are going to bring the energy and the fire today because I'm excited. Her book is called Free to Be, and it's a six-week guide to reclaiming your soul. On Turmeric and Tequila, we are leaning into all things leadership and creativity. So, of course, Universe looks out, and they're lining up guests for us uh, with that energy. So, Shireen, welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm excited to jump in. We've got a lot to cover. So you're a longtime leader, uh, transformational speaker, and it sounds like your biggest breakdowns led to your biggest breakthroughs. Oh, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Your audio went out. I don't know if you could hear me. Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Oh, now I can hear you. Sorry. Oh, shoot. Okay, we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see if Somehow that it cut out, and I don't think it's on my side. Okay, well, let me know if it goes out again. I can hear you. I'm not seeing any flags on my computer, but... Um, just as I'm giving universe the props, it's cutting me off. So I don't know, maybe, maybe I need to do something different here. We need to run some sage in this place. Um, but what I was saying was we, uh, I've been talking about, you know, leadership and, um, all things creativity. So we're going to dive into that and your book about reclaiming your soul, I think is huge, but I want to start. I always ask my guests like to talk about your young self, like how as a kiddo, cause I think there's so much Intel when we're young and we are who we supposed to be. And then we kind of lose that along the way, but tell me about your young self and things that were like you right from the get go. Gosh, you know, um, I have an older sister who she's 40 years older and she was kind of the, she'll hate me for saying this, but she was the troublemaker of the family. Okay. <laughs> and I, I was the good one. I was the, the quiet one. And I think I was always funny and sweet and, but I would, you know, my sister would just be chat, chat, chatting away and I would be staring up the window. And as I grew older, I think that I 
really led with my humor because that felt unique to me. And I, I, I think I was a lovable child and I, you know, my, so many people have had rough childhoods and that wasn't my case. I, I had a very idealistic childhood. I was born in Iran and there till I was nine. And this is pre-revolution. I'm dating myself. Um, <laughs> and there was, uh, and it was a really gorgeous, gorgeous childhood. That's amazing. Do you, I mean, so at what point did you guys move to America when you turned nine? It was that for work or? Yeah, no, um, my, it's slightly complicated, but my uncle was living in California and my sister wasn't thriving in the school system there. Lower education in Iran is like university level here. It's very, it's tough. Okay. And she just wasn't thriving in that environment. So my mom was, my father was still working in Iran. So my mom came with us two. And, and I think about it now, like what a feat that must have been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so we, we bought a, a house in California and then the revolution happened a couple of years after that and my father joined us. Wow, that's amazing. So you come from a long line of strong females and leaders in general making big moves. So it was it was in the blood from the get-go? Yeah, truth. I mean, yeah, both both my mom and my dad, because my dad was quite a trailblazer. He he passed in December, but I'm sorry to hear that. He's he's a amazing man. So yes, yeah. I, I've I've always felt like I've won the lottery of families. Yeah. From Mexico, which was huge. I mean, as, as far as who I've become, but to have that safety net and that yeah. closeness, which is, I mean, it's very germane to Iranians anyway, to be very family oriented. But I think even within the Iranian community, I, I feel like I really lucked out with my family overall. That, well, that's amazing. I think anytime privilege presents itself in our lives, like, I mean, to come from such a, you know, a well-nourished, grounded situation, I think it's all the more reason we feel compelled, or you can tell me, um, to serve and give back and represent whatever you came from all the more. Does that resonate at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I say it's our number one mission in life, you know? Absolutely. To be able to give back. I mean, to live really well, but make sure <laughs> that we are global citizens and we take care of everyone else. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. This, the service piece is always huge. And before we get into the deep, I got two questions I have to ask. Um, number one, uh, are you a CrossFitter? I saw on some of your social media, the lifting, do you do weightlifting and whatnot? No, my God, those are just for my, uh, yes. No, okay, well, <laughs> I mean, um, no, I'm, I'm an avid walker and swimmer. Um, I've never done, we have a home gym and it, it, remains empty a lot <laughs> you hang the dry clean on it or something <laughs> yeah my wife loses it a lot more than <laughs> that's perfect I, I saw social media i'm like well i gotta ask her crossfit questions if so just to make sure um, no, don't ask me any crossfit questions okay okay good. you're you're in the clear uh, the audience is probably like good don't talk I, about crossfit anymore <laughs> I, yes i feel like i am definitely healthy but i am not your gym goer for sure <laughs> Well, I actually, I think you're doing it right. The swimming and the walking low impact, save your joints as we get older and just do the right thing. You're, you're doing it right. And I can walk forever and swim forever. <laughs> so, yeah. I love so it. Okay. 
Yes. Well, and then the other side of like kind of like like the tea. Did I read correctly in a matter of you had a 13 year relationship and it ended over a 20 minute phone call? No, it was a 20 minute sit down. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so it was at least face to face. Okay. Yeah, it was face to face. Yeah. It um I mean it much like any other breakup in hindsight you could kind of see the trail yeah, yeah. Um, but yes 13 years ended up and it actually it was longer than that because my ex and i were best friends for nine years prior to getting together so 22 years of my life just that's insane. Well, I bring it up st specifically because I've actually been broken up over text, which is outrageous. It wasn't even a year. It was a small thing. But still, the face-to-face -face thing I'm very sensitive about because I don't, like, I don't even like the non-response over text. Like, this, the transactional type of things in relationships really gets at me, and I don't think that's a good practice for human behavior in general. So anytime I read about that, I think it's crazy. But I also want to talk about it intentionally because I think it's happening more and more with our young people because so much of their world is over text, and um, it's kind of like these building of long meaningful things and then it it does end in a flash and i don't think we talk enough about that because there's kind of i mean there could even be like ptsd from some of that because it's such a massive shift so quickly but in our society things are just so transactional does that resonate with you at all yeah i mean and i think that there's i'm really big on assigning different tasks <laughs> to different tools Okay. You know, and we tend to get them mixed up. I think we do that even with our heart, bodies, and mind, which I could talk about later, because we expect the mind to do things the heart should, and the body yeah. the heart should, and and all of that. But I feel the same with like with text. I love texting because I, you know, uh, especially when I worked, was involved with corporate America a lot more than I am now, um, at least on the, in the trenches, there's just so many meetings and, yeah. and it's such a time suck. And now I take care of so much with text. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do, you don't want to mix emotions with text because it won't resonate. People are, you, whenever people do not have the full story, you end up filling the gaps with your own story. Yeah. So, right. I mean, that's yeah, what absolutely. Somebody walks out the door, and it's like, <laughs> did he walk out because he was mad at me, or did he walk out because he was hungry, or did he walk out? You know, and and usually we don't even ask the question. It's sort of he walked out on me because he was right. mad. We go into the bathroom. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So, so with text, I mean, emotion is missing. So you could say. I mean, you could add a bunch of emojis and all that, but it's not the same. I, I actually don't even like the phone. Yeah. If you do phone, I'd rather do Zoom because I could see your facial expressions, you know, and, yeah. and that's important. So there are certain things that just should not be communicated through email and text and certainly not breaking up with someone. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, the, the miscommunication. And if you have conscious conversation of kind of knowing that we like eternally or we kind of automatically live in like our myopic space, we kind of are the victim without like really living in a heightened awareness of like, of course, it doesn't have to be about us all the time. But like that's that space we constantly go back to of like, oh, they walked out. They're they're mad at me or it's about me. It's me, 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 me. And you have to be like, 
Let's take a second. Let's get some context here. But you, that's hard to do when stuff's so quick and happening fast um, in this day and age. And again, our kiddos, that's their normal. Like everything is. I think that. Quick. And I think that they also don't necessarily decipher, you know, everything is very, very immediate. Yeah. So isn't this kind of self-reflection, you know, it's just kind of like reaction, reaction, reaction. And so, I mean, I, I, I I think texting is great. I, I love the fact that I can text my kids and um, be able to know where they are and, and have them. I mean, I think about it when I was young, right? I, yeah. I can't imagine like being that parent, you know, like your kid goes out the door and you have no <laughs> idea where they are, right? Unless they you call from a payphone. Yeah. You know, whereas in now it's just like, and they know they have to respond to me within an hour. I mean, unless they're in school or whatever, you know, so yeah. Or just like various, like my son caught an Uber the other night. We still laugh at it. And, uh, he was in this area where he lost, um, he lost reception. Okay. So from what I, I could tell, you know, he was, they had stopped on the side of a road. And I'm like, you know, parents mind. I'm like, okay, yeah. that's it. he's being sold off to slavery and, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. And then he got a hold of me, which was really great. But yeah, so all to say that I think phones and texts and emails and, and all of that have their place. Uh, just not when you're dealing with something that is a emotional conversation that yeah. can't be transactional. Absolutely. Well, and then this is kind of the perfect segue to the next part because I do want to get to the book, but you come from, you've got a production company, you come from media, you've worked with NBC and Apple and contributing editor uh, for Rolling Stone. I'm a longtime fan of them and reader. Um, but I think, you know, as over the years, I was telling you, I've, I come from marketing branding, started the podcast because I wanted to start telling the truth because I think as people in media production marketing, like we are, if reality is nothing more than applied meaning, so much of our kiddos are drinking within what's off their phones that their meaning's coming from this. So I felt compelled to be like, okay, we got to get some varsity humans, tell the truth, what's going on. And my company works specifically with mission-driven humans. So we're still conscious about it, but there's still marketing messages constantly coming in. In your experience with production and everything else, did you start to see over the years how certain messages were just getting more and more, I want to say contrived to sell certain things? Or did any point did that kind of throw you off where it's like this kind of aligns with the heart, but not really? Or were you able to stay with like mission-driven type situations? Um, well, you know, I mean, to have a, um, to have an agency and to be have a production company and an agency and a TV channel, um, and to have, to be in the agency world specifically and to be authentic is super challenging mm -hmm. overall. And there's always the, the bread and butter jobs that, which I'm doing less and less of, uh, now that you just, you basically have to feed the machine, which is, is what it is. I mean, if I had, I remember way back, um, I, uh, I was producing, uh, I was a showrunner for both discovery and scripts and, uh, they at one point wanted me to produce something for the military channel and I just, I couldn't do it. It was okay. just like not, 
not, and I have nothing against the military and, and all of that, but I just like, it was hard for me and, and the subject, matter, which I won't go into. Um, so I think overall, I've had the privilege of producing content that I believed in. And it's exciting to, sure. to have a brand grow. What I've found over the years is that the essential conversations that need to be had everywhere, and especially in the work environment, are missing, mm -hmm. right? So we're doing bigger, faster, more, right? The, the latest app, the latest product, all that. And while humanity is falling apart, while right. the wars rage and all of that, so at some point you have to ask yourself, like, why are, are we, if, if what we're doing is not somehow truly helping the planet, you know, why, why is it worth anything, <laughs> you know? Right. So, so those are the questions that I would have for myself more so than being conflicted specifically with, um, with any specific project or assignment. I don't know if that. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think in this day and age, you know, so many people, we've got to kind of do the dance to get through. And then once you have the privilege to be pickier and more choosy on projects and do things it is a conscious piece, but it's kind of like, how long can you stand that kind of not connected to your soul or doing what you have to do to get by to where then you do have that pivot point when you can be a little more picky and stuff that more aligns with your core values and everything else. Well, I think that if there, it, it, I also think that it's generational because mm -hmm. I think about the Me Too movement, and I think about Black Lives Matter, and especially the, the Me Too movement, because I was so close in the entertainment industry. And not only was I educated to believe that you had to put in the extremely long hours in production, you know, like 16, 18 hour days, I've mm -hmm. slept on sets so often. <laughs> Um, so there's that side, but you know, anything like the casting couch and all of that, and I wasn't touched too much by it. Like you didn't even question it. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it wasn't something that you like, no, this isn't okay. This is, it was just how it was. Yeah. Whereas in it's no longer that way for, because they know that it could be different. So I think that I, hope that Gen Z approaches it all different. So it isn't just necessarily paying your dues. So I think that is important to do and to clock in the hours and get the expertise and all of those. But to say when to say no, when when you need to say no, you know, yeah. I completely agree. I think they've just grown up with such a different reality in general. And I, I don't really feel old till I look back and I'm like, just like you're saying, I'm like, well, that's the way it was. That's, you know, it was 20 plus years ago or whatever. Um, and it can't happen anymore because there is accountability points, but also our narrative is just so different. And I think our young people are just less accepting, um, because they really do know so more, so much more, um, but it, it's, I don't know, it's a fascinating space to, to navigate through, but was that a lot of the fuel and the fire to um, inspire the book? Was that any point or any part? What was like the point where it's like, I think I need to get this out and write the book and start educating people from my journey. Um, I don't 
feel like that was the catalyst, though it certainly played part. For me, it was really a matter of wanting the book that I wrote when I was at the crossroads I was at. So I wrote the, boat, the book that I wanted when I was in that place. Okay. Uh, and on my knees, you know, I, I wanted to, and there's, there's a amazing amount of self-transformational books that deal with relationships and breakups and all of that. But I wanted something more. I wanted, I just, I felt like I was missing in action, you know, completely dead inside. I, and I had all of it. I had the position, I had the mm -hmm houses i had the cars i had you know the, the the friends and family the 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 gorgeous partner all of it and i felt dead inside and when the breakup happened people were like oh well new chapter and i'm like i don't want a new chapter i want an entirely new book and yeah. and so I, I i wrote that book and i wrote that book <laughs> um so that's that's really how it came about that's amazing. Well, so I'm really curious because I always ask, um, we've lots of leaders and, and people that kind of have their breakdown and breakthrough, but I'm always curious on that first step. Like what was like when you're in it and you know, it's in that dark moment, you know, we, and we all kind of have these different things that pull us in a certain direction. What was it that made you do that immediate first step pivot? And what was that first step? Was it seeking mental health guidance? Was it literally just getting a piece of paper and writing or like, what was the light bulb that went off that made you take action? So when the breakup happened, I didn't have a plan B there. I, I didn't, I, I, even as dead as I felt inside, I didn't, I didn't plan for something else. Cause I think that doing so just felt so overwhelming and so outside of my reality. And I was worried about the kids and, and all of yeah. that. So very much a stumble into the abyss and i mean it wasn't even like the rug pulled out of me i was suspended in midair yeah and i remember in the very early days i i made a motto for myself which was better than this better than this hashtag better than this and the thought was that if i was feeling even a tiny bit better than how I was feeling the moment before that was an improvement. And if I could continue doing that, you know, tiny little steps that I would be in a better place. And there was a lot of faith and trust that went into that and it worked. So mm -hmm. it was, I didn't have, it wasn't this like huge, one time aha moment. It was knowing that I wanted, I wanted everything different. I wanted my brain to move different than it was. I, I, I wanted all of it to function different. So how do you do that? Yeah. And so I did it step by step and it took me about six years to get it. And I condensed those six 
six years into six weeks. I'm streamlining our process for the rest of us. We don't have to do the six years. Um, I really like, I saw that in your social media better than this. And I think that's really important for people to hear because I think we do often seek this grandiose, like, gesture or light bulb or something and i and i when i often ask this question it's usually it's one small thing at a time and you're just kind of crawling in the right direction to where you may not even know but you know it's different and it's better than what it was before it's slowly getting better like and i do think it's hard to hang in in those moments did you use like faith or coaching or any sort of skill set to keep you in it i up until i was really on my knees back in 2013. I I call myself, if I may say, a half-ass spiritualist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would basically visit spirituality, which I, I dislike that term, by the okay. way. I want to <laughs> redefine, rephrase the term to spiritual health rather than spirituality, because you say spirituality, it gets mixed in with religion, which is, it's anything but, and it also sounds woo-woo and it's anything but because it's yeah. hard work. Yeah. Um, so I realized fairly early on that spiritual health, much like mental health or, or physical health, where you have to go to the gym every day, it has to be practiced. It can't be visited. If you're visiting it, it's it's really spiritual window shopping. You know, you're not right. really doing the work. <laughs> and so that, so so I'd say that it wasn't that I found faith. Maybe faith, faith found me, but it was really in the practice of it, in the everyday shifting of my habits mm-hmm. all around in order to evolve. Yeah, I love it. I, I think the first thing I've gone to, cause I didn't grow up religious or anything. That wasn't, we were all athletes. And so Saturdays and Sundays were sports, but mindset as an athlete was always there. And so connecting to this greater good, representing a community bigger than you, all that was always fundamentally there. And then as I've gotten older, my morning routine and these little practices kind of keep me grounded and keep me, um, you know, in it. Do you have, or can you share some of your daily practices that keep you uh, spiritually healthy? Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest is, which is in my book, I call it the daily purge. And the daily purge is basically a minimum of six minutes you could do it up to 10, but I wouldn't do it past that. I, it's really, really important that whatever exercises you do, if you're following the book and the guide to have it be really doable, that's the whole idea. It's, it's basically a practical guide. So you don't have to go to a mountaintop. You don't have to go to a retreat. You don't have to go to an ashram. You know, you could do it while you're doing the dishes and dropping the kids off. The daily purge is basically a minimum of six minutes where you are purging anything that is negative and i suggest doing it in the morning much like your uh morning routines because that's the time where your brain is the most alert and your body is the most rested and you know your your brain starts going so whatever whatever those obstacles are to purge them out, whether it's with 
doodling, banging on something, going for a run, but you don't go for a run because it's something that you want to do for your health. You're doing it in order to purge. Uh, you can dance it off. You can paint it, you know, whatever it is that moves you that will take the the muckety muck that's within us that comes up like this because our monkey minds as soon as we're awake just bah, 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 and you just purge it out and then after that you stop and that alone my god just clears my slate every day i love it do you, do you stay off i was gonna say do you stay off your phone immediately like do you have a timeline where you don't get on the phone until 30 minutes or whatever you know, I, I'd like to say so, but it really, I mean, it just in spirit of honesty, I think it really depends on what's going on that day. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times when my kids aren't with me, I, I, I do check it just to make sure that, you know, this morning I checked it at 6am when I woke up and there was, there was actually a, a emergency, which took care of, but so that's important to me, but I don't yeah. like. I don't get up and start, you know, surfing, so scrolling. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I also, I'm, uh, I'm a huge advocate of not having TV or even the radio in the background, different if you're driving and such, or if you're like cleaning up or, or something, but silence is so important because we're constantly bombarded with content and especially something like morning news, which is just coming at you. And very, very rarely is it good news, you know? Yeah. So that's the first thing you're hearing. Yeah. You're already. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, this, uh, we do talk, I, I want to talk about uh, really quick, cause I, I want to build on this more, but spiritual bypassing, does that play into the morning routine or unpack that for us a little bit? So there's so many different ways of, spiritual bypassing i frankly think that if you're spiritual window shopping it's a it's a form of bypassing because you're doing it when it's convenient and there's really no benefit except that you're thinking for the time that you're doing it that you know there's maybe some sort of safety or refuge in it but exactly like if you go to the gym once every six months not a whole lot is going to happen so <laughs> it has to be it has to be practiced and there's also, you know, the, there's a lot of talk now about toxic positivity. I think that is also spiritual bypassing. This this life, this world, this universe, for what we know, is tough. Yeah. I mean, it is tough. As we're, you know, sitting here, and I do have the privilege of having a roof over my head and not worrying about my next meal and all of that. But I mean, you think about the wars, you think about the refugees, yeah. you think about global warming, you think, I mean, there is just so many things that we are combating on a day-to-day -day divorces, you know, mm -hmm. and, and uh, murders, rapes, you know, I mean, I can just go on and on. And those things do not go away by, you know, nice wishful thinking. Right. So, and, and it, when you look at the work of any true spiritual leader, there, there is no bypassing. So the, the, the acceptance that that's talked about, 
is accepting the reality that is as a first step to change. Mm -hmm. So it isn't this denial that, you know, oh, divorces don't happen, or, you know, if I'm evolved enough, then war won't affect me, or, you know, we are on this earth for as long as we live, and we are in it all together. There's mm -hmm. no, there is literally no escape from this earth. And it is not easy. And, right. and how do you spiritual given all of that? Right. So it's, it's very, very real. And this is what I mean about there's nothing woo woo about spiritual health. <laughs> right. It's frankly the hardest thing I've ever done. It's, it's scary and it's often dark and it's mucking me. And like, if I go to a retreat, I'm, I, I tell my my friends and family like no one can go with me. Strangers <laughs> can see this because yeah. it is not pretty messy. Yeah, well, I mean that's and that's what I kind of wanted to get into because I'm a big philosophy fan and universe. I say God, universe, Madonna, whatever you believe. I'm a big Madonna fan. Um, so whatever you believe, it's always as, as intentional as we can be and checking all the boxes. There's always some larger message and we don't control that much. Um, but what we can control is what we're consuming. And being a philosophy fan, I'll sum it up for everyone, it's to live is to suffer. Uh, but there's a great, great quote of, you know, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering is kind of like our choice. So we can choose what we're taking in. We can't be in denial of what's really going on. But we can also be mindful of what we are taking on, taking in, so we can maintain our best self so then we can be of service. So it's this constant, you know, juggling act that's that's really hard. And I like when you say, like, connecting back to your soul and getting back to um, – what's within you to serve. Are you good about balancing what you take in and then, you know, what you put out? So you have that mindfulness of being your best self because you are a leader and there's responsibility within that. So, you know, as leaders, we kind of want to show up all the time. Like, are you good about balancing it all? I, I believe I have become really good at balancing it all around. So I don't do I'm very, very, very rarely do I do something that I don't want to do anymore. And again, I, I have the privilege of being able to do that mostly. I don't invite people into my life that don't serve me. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten over the guilt of saying no. And I consume the the food that is is good for me and i am a huge proponent of self-control when it comes to social any any sort of media whether it, it is radio i haven't heard a podcast that that is bad for you but not turmeric and tequila very, huh? <laughs> i said not turmeric and tequila not our podcast certainly not this, <laughs> but, but i think that is incredibly important yeah. to curate what it is that you are consuming one is consuming on a day-to-day -day basis and i i mean i can also go on and on about our education system and sure. what we are teaching our kids and what I believe serves them and what is kind of a legacy antiquated mm -hmm. uh, form of education. So I believe I've gotten good at it. I think that the, the first realization really is uh, the acceptance, like having the realization 
that, oh my God, all this content is coming at me all the time yeah, and it's bound to affect me. So what can, what can I, what can I control? And I believe, I mean, there are some, there's a part in the book that I talk about, it's in the heart section and about one's tribe and that not everybody belongs. So there's people that you invite, Brene Brown talks about this, you know, very mindful about who you invite to your table, but then it isn't like who you invite to your table and then the the rest of the group i think that there's there's different degrees so i have this section about taser shield filter or hug okay the taser are just people (laughs) who should not be in your life and you i'm sure like you could instantly think of who those are and you can't and and you have you you can actually not have them in your life The, the, the shield part is, for example, your ex who you have to co-parent with and you don't have any choice, yeah. but there are ways to create shields so that your heart is protected and filter. There are some people you see it on social media, like just because you think it doesn't mean you have to say it right. Mm-hmm. And you choose who you say it to. And, and so I may share certain things with my sister that I would not with an acquaintance, you know? So, so filter that part is on, on your side on, um, and then finally the, the, the hug is anyone that is close to you. That is your tribe. And then allowing them also to be very, very real with you. So calling you on things, which I have two besties, and they're on me all the time yeah yes keep those good friends close I think that's phenomenal and I really encourage people to dig into the book specifically and I always anything that's kind of happening in my world I try to bring to the cast because I just feel like it's relevant and you know that's how the the message comes through but one of my friends is you know recently entrepreneur and she's like us kind of you know always on a spiritual journey but she's starting to get success professionally and you know sometimes you outgrow your friends and she's feeling that guilt of having to like how do I navigate letting them go or stepping away I have I'm here for radical acceptance and everything else but in my field especially I'm very big on influencers and my biggest thing is you are who you surround yourself with you know you you go work you go work out with stronger people then you'll get stronger you walk with the wise you get wiser etc um so I'm very big on boundaries and I think it's massive but it's not easy to gracefully get someone out of your life um in, in addition to the taser do you have good uh tips on how to kind of you know I hate to say it, but like maybe break up with people that no longer serve you in your tribe or you kind of create that space well, I think that that would be the I would say that that would be the shield category okay <laughs> you're you know sort of like being friends with someone on Facebook but choosing to unfollow them okay because they post too much or you don't agree with their political views and and whatever it is so I think that I think there's depending on the friendship, I think that the number one step really is letting go of the guilt of not wanting it Mm -hmm. anymore. 
and I've had it also on my side, you know, where I've been closer to people and I no longer am. I used to chase it. I don't yeah. anymore. Um, and, and, and it hasn't happened very much in, in the last 10 years, but in the 10, in the last 10 years doing the work that I've done, the people that have entered my life mm-hmm. are gold, yeah. you know? So I think that there's something very much to that, you know, the, the work you do on yourself without sounding too woo woo and, <laughs> and your, you know, vibration and your energy yes. goes to a higher level. You end up attracting those people and yeah. it happens. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm frankly fascinated by it. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and, as far as people, you know, I, I've had conversations with friends that I am no longer in touch with that have been very clear of why I'm stepping back and with others I've, I've stepped back. But I think the most important thing is, is feeling free of guilt. And I think that if, it's a relationship that is important to you and it's shifting. I do think one does have the responsibility to communicate. If you feel that there is a, that you should be communicating, then one should communicate. Yeah. I, I second that. So well said. I agree. And I think it, what I've learned is like, I do like intentional I'm stepping back. I'm stepping, I like to communicate what I'm doing. Um, I've also, like you just said, like when your vibration raises or you change, things sort of just naturally shift. And I always take it as a compliment. Like you're saying when like really varsity humans come into my world, I'm like, oh, the vibes must be right. We're doing something right. Like, and if not, if it's the opposite, I'm like, okay, we probably got to do some work. We got to unpack some things because you can tell these aren't people you want to be around. So like we need to do some work. Do you have like check-ins where you're like, I mean, it sounds like you're more than dialed in now, but at points did you like, oh, you know, the tribe's kind of going a certain way. Does that immediately reflect back on you of being like, okay, I got to dig in and we got to do some personal stuff? I think that we go through various stages in our lives. And I think that that, I mean, one can argue that we're born again every minute, right? (laughs) No obligation to be who we were a minute ago. Right. But but I think that it's it's a byproduct. It isn't even it isn't even like I've outgrown this friendship. It's it's really a matter of being about new things. Like for example, just straight out, I'm I don't hang out with the production community as much as I used to. I mean, I see that that was my jam. We would get have all sorts of get togethers and production levels, you know, TV, film, all sorts of, of production. But that was, you know, we're going to film festivals. Like I just, there was no way that there would be a film festival nearby and I wouldn't be at it. And now I don't go because it's no longer my, my thing. I still love seeing a film here and there, but so things change and and people change along with it and I don't think that there needs to be a huge amount of guilt around it and I have friends that I've had since elementary school so you know I think 
I think what's most important, second to uh, the guilt, or maybe equal to not having guilt around it, is not chasing people. Yeah. You know, that was a huge one for me. I could, whatever it is, whether it is professionally or romantically, if you're chasing, it's not the one. There you go. Well, let's let's talk about that really quick, because I do think that's really big intel because innately it's like if something's taken away, I mean, the psychology of sales and a multitude of things we can get into, um, but if it's taken away, we want it more. Or it's like if there's something that's it doesn't want us, we want it to want us like there's a psychology like within us as humans where it's like we want we can't have. And I think it's the awareness of you. I don't even think like in times of my life, I didn't even realize that I was chasing or chasing acceptance or chasing that person that didn't want to go out with whatever it, it, it's the light bulb. So I have to catch myself being like, are we chasing, are we chasing the goal here? Like in CrossFit or fitness or the PR personal record or, or like what, why are we doing this? How do you manage staying out of the chase? It's really staying away or keeping my ego in check because all of that is it's ego based the sure. thing that says i'm not getting enough of this oh that's not mine i've got to grasp more that has nothing to do with the soul it's all ego so yeah. it's it's literally catching myself like hmm, there yeah. goes your ego again you know the monkey mind that's it it's it's the ego mind yeah. literally just chat 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 and yeah, which is the, the the very same that tells you that you're unsafe, that you you're not enough, that you need to get this and that in order to be worthy and just chat, 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 chat. So if I if a person is not interacting with me in a, a way that feels like a equal dance, then I don't dance. Boom. I like it. Don't dance. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Mic drop. Um, okay. Well, so tell us, I'm really curious about how we can get into our soul and reconnect in six weeks. So tell us like about the categories and why is this so important right now? Well, I argue that it was important anytime. I completely I mean, agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but truly, I mean, we're, we're in, you know, the, the amygdala, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it amazes me because we are built as humans to, you know, we, we are prey in, in many ways. Right. So I, I think that it was the amygdala initially was there just so we wouldn't be eaten by, you know, wolves and dinosaurs and <laughs> whatever yeah. else there was. Now I think it just has nothing better to do than panic, you know? Yeah. So it just is like there and then you got to shut it the F up, you know? Like I literally speak with, I call it Amy G. I'm just like, <laughs> shut up, sit down, you know? Yeah. Um, so um, I forgot the question. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, it, well, no, it's, I mean, it was just, I mean, basically I'm, I'm just so curious how we do this in six weeks. And it, it, ah. I, was, I asked you what, you know, why was it more important? Now I agree with you. It's, it's been important forever, but I think we're more conscious now, but again, I'm just so passionate about our young people learning our lessons that took a, a lifetime or up until now that they are facing issues way earlier. So I think it's fascinating that you can kind of compact this into six weeks. I'm curious on the stages and why now I, I wouldn't even say it's important, but why it's more relevant. Event, I think than ever. Yeah, well, I, so 
The reason I have it as six weeks is that I wanted the the latter part of it where we become um, aware of our souls to be equal to the work that we do getting to finding our souls. Mm -hmm. So it was really important for me to have it be evened out. And the first part of the book really is about detoxing your mind, heart, and soul in a way, clearing the canvas because we have, we, we, you know, there's so much studies on disassociation from usually we disassociate from our true essence between the ages of zero and five, right? And the more responsible we become, the less soul connected we become because we feel unsafe, we don't feel worthy, whatever the reason is. And so most people don't even know what their soul is, where to find it, what to do with it. So there needs to be a clearing. So the first, the first week is all about clearing the mind. And there's, uh, we talked a little bit about it, you know, content overload and, and various ways of doing that. Then clearing one's heart and so much of the heart is often associated with romance and it, you know, that is a part of it, but so much of the heart is just about self-care and the way that you relate to it and self-love and, and all of that. So talk a little about that in week two and week three is about the body and not just eating well and sleeping well, but our relationship with our body as our Uber ride, our vessel through life. If this doesn't work, the rest yeah. of it doesn't matter. So, and then once we've cleared that, then it is much easier to reconnect with our soul. And then once we connect with our soul, what do we do with it? So chapter four, week four, um, I'm a huge play advocate. And uh, so chapter, uh, week four is my favorite because it's all about play. You get to be, I don't want to say even you get to be a kid again because it's not, it's not the child within us. It's truly us yeah. wanting to be alive. And if that is reminds you of your five-year-old self, so be it. But it's just us living our joie de vie. And, and that means different things. I talk about there's, there's different per, um, play personality types. There's not just one, one type. So you've got to kind of figure out sort of like an Enneagram. Um, and then week five is about connecting with your higher self because I, I really believe there's within us, we have different uh, components with our, our heart, mind, and, and body, and then our soul. But I think that that is different than the collective spirit. So I talk about the dance between the soul and spirit. So the soul is uniquely ours. The spirit is what connects us. And I think that often we get that mixed up. And it's really the dance of the spirit and soul that creates that the, the balance and the sustainability to be who you are through, through it all. And then week six is about, um, I call it man, 
manifesto, like you mean it. Um, <laughs> and, it's, and it's about rewriting your story and, um, and how to do that. I'm, uh, I uh, discovered uh, a Japanese diagram, which many may be familiar with called Ikigai, kind of a weird name, sure. but it's literally a Venn diagram for your raison d'etre. So instead of like, okay, you know, what do I, how do I rewrite my, my story? There's actually a, a means to do it. So very, very practical steps. And that's important to me. Like it's, it's important for me that it feels practical and doable for, for people, regardless of whether, you know, they're higher high powered executive or, you know, stay-at-home mom and um or or both <laughs> yeah yeah what well, I, I think it doesn't have to be hard to be super worthy and on time um and and something you can maintain is this a practice you think that you know six years of evolution combined into six weeks is this something you'll check in and maybe do every few years or is this an ongoing journey for you it's all an ongoing journey <laughs> it I, is I, I mean really it's uh <laughs> But truthfully, I mean, a, a, again, much like going to the gym, you can't say, oh, I, you know, I did that two years ago, been right. there, done that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So it's the same with spiritual health. You, you have to continue practicing it. The, the Buddhists call anyone who is practicing Buddhism practitioners. And I think that is is really wise because it is in the practice it's in the in the doing of it so it's it's ever evolving so the the book i mean i i, I think that it can serve as a primer or it serves as a uh, as a resource yeah a toolkit like, oh yeah. yeah you know yeah I love it. I think it's very much a toolkit that you can use, apply to your life and then check back in. Cause you know, we get as things move on and evolution happens, evolution is our cardio. Uh, you, you kind of have to take those moments cause things get fast. Life change happens fast. You got to kind of get back into your base and, and recheck in just like you're saying with training and sports or anything else. It's, um, a daily practice. I feel this is kind of a weird question, but I feel compelled to ask you if you could uh, describe your soul in one word, what would you say? I want to say supernova. Okay. And okay. it's not, not like, well, I mean, we, we will all die, but you know, the supernova <laughs> is this huge blast. And then, um, but I think that, I think it's just ever bursting. I, okay. I think about the, the, the toddlers, you know, who are just yeah. like, they're it, listen to music or see their parents do something funny. And they're just that, that laughter that's so contagious yeah. and that joy. That's what my soul feels like. It's just sitting there and half the time, if not 90% of the time wondering what is going on in the world, you know, like the world would look really, really, really different if everybody was living from that space. Ugh. And, and we are very far from it. So, 
Yeah. Well, no, I, no, I actually, I love it because it's, it's supernova. Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, it's an abundance of energy and light and like bursts. And I think it's just a very powerful, um, like energy source. And that's what you are. You're out here on a mission, spreading the gospel, you know, sharing your trials and tribulations to put people on path. And while the world is, you know, we're in kind of like, it's messy and things are complicated, but you know, if we can show up and, and give where we can and live, walk in our purpose, that is what we can do to make it right. Cause it'll never be perfect. So, um, you're yeah, welcome. And I, think, I think also being open to new conversations. It's really interesting. Humans blow me away, you know, like we could be unhappy about so many different things, but then somebody introduces something new and they're like, hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. okay, but if you want something different, you like things have to be different. Yeah. You have to think different. You have to be open to it. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like the same thing over rinse, repeat. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, again, I'm living proof. Like I was positive that if I thought the way that I thought before, I would get into another similar relationship and I would be doing the same things. Yeah. So, and again, this is without knowing what I was doing, but I'm like, okay, I want, I want it to be, I want my synapses to be yeah. functionally different. And I was so, going to say being open to receive, that's huge. Yeah. And I, and I think if you think that way, then it applies to anything, mm -hmm. not just business, but politics. I mean, it's, it's, you would be having very, very different conversations if it wasn't just like the doctrine. Right. So. Right. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. And we are here for the woo. Let it be known. I talk about it a lot on the podcast. I know. And I always get back to like energy is physics. Like, you know, you move your hands together, you feel heat. So heat is energy. We can get to science. Woo is science, whatever. But I, I'm with you because most people are like, okay, she's going down this witch, witch traffic conversation and blah, blah, blah. But um, the energy, the mission, the spirit, the supernova right there. You heard it. Uh, Shireen's out here doing it. Where do, well, let's just tell me, do you have like a favorite quote? Just, I feel like you've got tons of good advice, but is there something that stands out to you that you go back to? It's a favorite quote. You know, um, there are quite a few like roomies, the, the wound is where the light enters is a big one. There's been different translations of that. Um, on Nins, we, uh, shrink and expand, uh, relative to our courage i may have butchered that a little bit but that one is another one of my favorites and i'm sure i have like wayne dyer has quite a few quotes that i love but i would say those are probably the two that come to mind I love it. I love it. Um, I know it's, it's so many like my intentional humans. We've got all these ones that, that float around, but I'm always curious, like what comes out first. So, uh, I'm here for it. I love it. Well, go check out Shireen and all the amazing things she has going on. She's in it. She's a wealth of experience, energy, um, optimism. And I see you as a leader and I love what you're doing. Where can we find you? Instagram handles, websites, book. What do you want to share? Uh, all of it is, well, uh, the book is on it's, uh, being distributed by Simon and Schuster. It's in a variety of online and independent bookstores, Amazon, of course. So that's probably the easiest. And all of my social is my name, 
my name, my first name and my last name. So Shireen Adesam, hashtag, no, uh, at Shireen Adesam. And my website is also shireenadesam.com. There you go. And we are over on our time. Let you go. But I think representation is really critical. Uh, how important to you in um, a, a quick wrap up is it being a representation for the LD, LGBTQ plus community? And um, how has that played a role in this journey of self evolution? Um, um, I think it's important because representation is important. I think it's important to have members of the LGBTQIA community. And it, 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 frankly, I can talk on and on about the fact that I don't believe that we should be a community. Um, and because it shouldn't be that there's straight people and then everybody else, it should be a continuum and we should all be a community. But I obviously stand shoulder to shoulder with all the other letters. Um, I think it's incredibly important to have LGBTQIA plus people who are out there doing what they do and not necessarily concentrating on LGBTQIA mm -hmm. matters so that because representation does matter and I think it is important to see you know, politicians, to see teachers, to see people of different walks of life, because that is how it is. We don't do one thing and not the other. So I think in that it's really important and, and to realize that beyond, underneath, above, around, all of it, whether it's, you know, I, I check off so many different things, woman, immigrant, gay, uh, I have adopted kids, all that. But truthfully, at the core of it, I'm human. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know? So that's shared human condition. Correct. Yeah, boom. Um, I love it. And I do need <laughs> the marketing. I can't agree with you more about like how we're over branding and marketing and like labeling. And it's just so like, let's breathe on it. But on the flip side, so deeply passionate about representation, because I believe diversity is magic on so many levels. And the more we can work together, the more we can, you know, solve some of these problems. But as long as, as, long as we're not othering, that's the biggest issue that I have. I'm straight, but the other, I'm accepting of the other. And it shouldn't yeah. be, I mean, they're all, we're all others. Right. So just the spectrum rather than a group. There you go. All, all the nuggets. We could keep going because I have a million more questions, but I'm going to keep following you. Watch what she's doing. Your social media is fabulous, by the way. It feels very connected and very humanized. Um, we try and work with a lot of companies that do that. So I'm giving you unsolicited positive feedback. Keep crushing and good luck on this book. Maybe we can check in in a year and see how things are going. But um, we're cheering for you on Turmeric and Tequila. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.